This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing new Firehouse Pairs. Pair your favorite small sub with a signature side, like the awesome five cheese mac and cheese. And remember, a portion of every purchase at Firehouse Subs goes towards helping first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating in locations only, Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing new Firehouse Pairs. Pair your favorite small sub with a signature side, like the awesome five cheese mac and cheese. And remember, a portion of every purchase at Firehouse Subs goes towards helping first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations only, Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. Everybody, welcome to this edition of Let's Talk Adult. I'm Jim Williams, and with me, of course, my partner in crime, the one and only, the King. <laughs> well, I'm no King Jim, but here's who I am. I am the guy that is helping the world move into the age of adult entertainment enlightenment. That's right, because everybody is curious about. What is going on in adult entertainment? How can they get into adult entertainment? What's happening behind the scenes? Who are these people? And and that's what we're here for is to is to provide adult entertainment talk to the adult entertainment curious. I'm excited about today's show. Absolutely. You know, every podcast you really want to have a good story. You know, something's compelling, something that's entertaining, something that grips you and makes you want to stick around for the 30 odd minutes. And today I got to tell you, we have a story, my friends, and it is a story that you're going to want to listen to. Glenn, please, without any further ado, why don't you tell us a little bit about our guest and introduce her, and she will tell us that story. All righty. So, Jim, let me give you a little bit of background about uh, how we came across our guest here today. Um, So I, you may not have guessed this, am a meticulous planner when it comes to my producing and directing. And my calendar is usually booked right around two months in advance. Right now I'm I'm booked up until pretty much the end of November. But um, every once in a while an agent will call me and say, well, we've got a super duper talent and she's in town where you shoot and and, uh, she's got an available day. So on. And then I usually answer with, well, that would be great, but I've already got my schedule planned for the next two months. We will keep her in mind in case of cancellation. But about two or three weeks ago, I got a call from an agent who said, well, we have a, a super duper talent in town by the name of Karma RX. And uh, would you like to shoot her? She's got an extra day. And I said, same as usual. I told him, no, nope, no, thank you. My schedule's booked out for the next couple of months, um, but thank you anyway, and we'll keep her in mind in case of cancellation. And then I said, wait a minute, did you say Karma RX? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, oh, well, in that case, <laughs> we're going to clear out our schedule. So, so I don't normally shoot on Thursdays and all that stuff, and I cleared out the schedule and booked a scene, and then I put myself in the scene. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But the 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 thing I want to explain there is that there just aren't that many performers in the business who jumped off the page or jump off the screen at you anymore. 
And karma is one of those. If you're glancing at a tube site with 500 scenes on the front page, your eyes are going to stop when you get to one of karma's scenes. And that's why after, let's say, right around one year in the business, she's emerging as one of the top performers. So I would have asked her to be on the podcast anyway, but then I discovered something that is absolutely uh, inspirational and something that we need to talk to her about because it fits right in with what we're doing on this show. And that is that Karma was homeless for years and then and then got her life together and, and got into the industry and, and it's affected and helped her become uh, or get put on a better path. And so we want to know about that story. And so I, again, cleared the schedule. We, we shifted, shifted things around in terms of who's on the podcast and, and, uh, and asked Karma to come on with us. And by the way, her scene that she did for us, Jim, was unbelievable. And we can't wait to shoot her again. But let's get right to it with her then. So Karma, your story is inspirational. You, you went from being homeless to being in the adult industry. Can you start by telling us where did you grow up and then how did, how did you end up becoming homeless? Um, well, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, which, you know, is Porn Valley, we found out later. Um, <laughs> but, right. Excuse my voice. I can't really talk. Um, but I uh, I had a drug problem. I got into crystal meth when I was 15 um, and pretty much immediately lost everything. And not that I had that much, but I lost what I had. And, um, you know, the, I was homeless from... 15 to 19 off and on um and you know doing drugs or whatever and I um had a lot of interesting life experiences in that time and uh you know I I um I got clean like a few days before my 19th birthday and then I've been um I had a few jobs. I've done labor jobs. I worked at a tattoo and vape shop. I've done a lot of things, you know, before porn. Um, but I kind of feel like every, like a lot of the life experiences that I had kind of perfectly built me for this industry. And I don't just mean like, you know, a lot of the viewers don't necessarily see the behind the scenes stuff and like what it takes emotionally or mentally to be able to do this job. Um, and especially to be able to do this job and um, and be happy and be successful because um, there's in from what I've seen there's a lot of people uh, like a lot of the, the fans or the average consumer assumes that we're all super damaged and we're you know we have low self esteem or low self worth and that's why we do this you know or whatever um, and I I see that some girls are and some guys are um, in the industry damaged. Um, I don't consider myself damaged. I consider myself having, like, I've been through some things. I've had damaging things happen, but um, I, you know, I also am pretty emotionally and mentally sound, uh, considering. Um, you certainly and, are on set. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm in a great mood all the time. <laughs> yeah. But um, I've also, like, I, I studied psychology. I've done a bunch of work. Um, I'm in a 12-step program. I've done a lot of work on, you know, myself, and I don't have low self-esteem. I don't really suffer from that, you know, anymore. Um, and by the time I started doing porn, I already was pretty comfortable with who I was instead of, like, coming in 18 and lost, um, which some people do, and, and that makes me sad, 
you know. Um, so I'm glad that I waited until, you know, I, I mean, I got into porn when I was 24, so a year ago. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I feel like a lot of my past experiences and life experiences kind of set me up for um, being able to deal with a lot of the the harder aspects of this industry, um, such as, you know, um, like a lot of people, I, I don't know if the average consumer could really do some of the things that we do every single day and, right. and not have it take a toll on them. Right. Um, emotionally or psychologically. Um, and I think that a lot of that has to do with what, like what your reasons are for doing it. You know, like I'm not, I don't do porn because I'm broke and can't make money any other way. Like I said, I've had a bunch of jobs and I, I'm perfectly capable of working most jobs. You know, I just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, well, and, and we want to, we want to talk more about what you did just prior to porn, but I want to go back a little bit just to understand so that people can sort of get an idea of what are the signs that your life is sort of spiraling out of control. Um, so you became a meth addict and you were living with your parents, I take it. And then yeah, when how I was did 15, yeah. say, say again? When I was 15. Yeah. When I started doing drugs. Yeah. And then did you get kicked out and, and feel free to just decline to answer any question if we get too personal here. Um, yeah, I, don't, but, I don't really have personal. So, um, yeah, I, uh, my, you know, it, it got out of hand quickly, you know, when I was, real young and when I started using drugs I was a mess you know I was stealing from my mother and you know doing a bunch of you know I would be gone for days and show up I got kicked out of high school pretty quickly um or they put me in continuation high school um because you know I missed too much um I I spent a lot of time in psych facilities or getting arrested or whatever um in that first year and so you know I think um you know my, my mother told me she, she, I, I, I see now that she was trying to tell me to stop doing drugs. But what she said was, if you want to live in this house, then you can't do drugs. And to me, that meant get out, you know, um, right. <laughs> because there wasn't another option for me at the time. Drug addiction is a pretty serious ordeal. Um, so I left and um, I guess, you know, missing child stuff was reported. And so I was like, um, missing kid you were on a, a milk carton you I, were a milk carton kid i never made it to a milk carton i don't know <laughs> if they have those anymore but uh. i was on posters all over the valley um because what what happened was i got i got arrested and, and they put me in a psych facility um and then they i was in a psych facility for two weeks for 14 days and then they sent me to uh rehab and i was thinking like oh rehab you can leave rehabs if you want um but it turned out it was like a state mandated um, program. So when I left, I was considered uh, critically disabled or some, I don't remember the exact words, um, but basically the psych facility had said that I was uh, um, not fit to reenter society until I was had completed the 60 day rehab. So then I was like <clears throat> a critical runaway and there were detectives looking for me and everything was very exciting. Uh, wow. And um, they caught up with me a few months later, and I was sent to a facility in Utah, um, which is like, it was like mixed between a prison and a psych ward. Um, and they, they, would, it, they would keep kids from, you know, 12 to 18, um, basically. 
I think there, yeah, I think 12 was the youngest girls that were there, but um, I aged out of that, moved to Colorado when was, and I was, you know, about, I was 18 at that point, and I was homeless for another year or so, but yeah, it was basically on and off um, the whole time. I, now, the spiraling out of control thing, um, some, I know a lot of addicts have, like, you know, signs or like what, where they're kind of functioning and then they're not really functioning anymore. For, for me, it was kind of different because I started my drug use with meth and with, you know, a 35 year old dude who had been doing meth for 10 years. And it wasn't really like a slow progression. It was kind of immediately everything was fucked um, for me. So I, I remember the first time I did it, I, I thought if I ever do this again, I'm fucked. And I uh -huh. did. And, you know, <laughs> and, and at that fair, point, that and by the way, uh, folks out there listening, you're listening to Let's Talk Adult with Glenn King and Jim Williams and our guest Karma RX. So at, at that point, Karma, you um, you must have been pretty desolate about your life uh, outlook, right? I mean, when I guess when you're 18 or so, you were thinking, "I'm I'm never going to amount to anything," or or did you always have faith in yourself? It wasn't so much. I you know, I never had high hopes. Um, I think my childhood dream was to like be a stripper and live in a trailer and like roll my own <laughs> cigarettes. Um, sure. And that wasn't That's my dream. a negative thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Still kind of my dream. Um, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily a negative thing. And, and I don't know that I had like, it was more, it was more, I was more focused on the addiction aspect as the, in that, like I never thought I would get out of it. Yeah. Um, because I, I wanted to get clean for, you know, the last, three out of the four and a half years that I was doing drugs and I just couldn't. And um, especially when I like being homeless, it's really fucking difficult to get clean um, because I, you know, I didn't have um, health insurance. I may have still been covered under my mother. I think they changed that law until you're 24 or some shit, but I wasn't aware of that at the time. Um, I didn't have health insurance. I didn't really have parents that I could call and ask for help. You know, I didn't, really have I didn't know what I was doing and uh, and and either way you know I'd been I'd been locked up a few times I'd been in psych wards a few times um, I'd been sober you know for for periods when I was forced to be in you know I physically couldn't do drugs but I was incapable of stopping you know anytime they let me out I just couldn't um, and uh, but I and I wanted to for years but especially being homeless and being a girl it was like you know speed meth keeps you awake and um, I was terrified to not be awake, you know, because um, I was like a 17, 18 year old girl who was homeless and things, you know, people, it's like you have victim tattooed on your forehead, you know, everybody's like, oh, she has nobody that gives a fuck. Um, right. so, so I had a lot of, you know, there was a lot of sexual abuse. There was a lot of abuse, abuse. Um, and um you know, it was just, it, it, it wasn't really feasible to like be sober and homeless and getting off the street. I, in my opinion, is harder than getting off drugs because like people like to walk, like drive by homeless people and be like, get a job. But it's basically impossible to get a job when you have no shower or address or phone um, or whatever. Um, <laughs> right. People need so. to understand that they, they, they want to justify it to themselves by saying oh they're making tons of money on the sidewalk being homeless panhandling and they don't understand yeah. that there just aren't that many options at that point yeah karma um, what was the turning point for you 
I um I was still struggle. Okay, so here's the thing. I did I always did well in school, right? And even when I was in and I had straight A's in high school, even when I was in continuation school and then um when I got sent to Utah because it was an under 18 program, I was you know, I was doing school. So I actually technically graduated, I never got like a a certificate or anything, but I have the credit credits to have graduated and I graduated with almost a 4.0. Um, and so I was like going to community college homeless as fuck. Um, wow. I mean, I took like, two classes. Yeah. I mean, and it was, um, th- that was the one thing that like in my mind, if I just kept that good, like maybe I would be okay, you know? Yeah. And, um, but, but it was embarrassing. I'm going to school. Um, I would walk, I was going to Valley college out in North Hollywood. Yeah. And, um, I would, I would like walk all the way there with my fucking backpack and I'd go to pull out my books and like old socks and like my toothbrush would fall out and it was awkward as fuck. And I was high as a kite. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I had, okay. so was everybody you know, else at Valley college, by the way, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I, I stood out, you know, definitely. <laughs> um, cause I was filthy and like the, the, um, <laughs> I had a couple teachers there that, um, that were kind to me, you know, and, and would, you know, say encouraging shit. I was on probation also at the time I was testing every week. Um, probation system sucks, by the way. <laughs> I the whole time. Um, <laughs> but, um, so I, um, I was also like that whole time I had been, I, I knew some kids who had gotten disability. Um, and because of all my psych stuff and because I'd spent nine months in a mental institution in Utah, like they pretty much told me I can always get disability if I want it. Um, and so I like, it, it took me about half a year, but I, I was like applying for that. I was going to all these walking to all these fucking appointments. You know, they make you jump through a lot of hoops and, um, and, and I, I got disability, I got granted disability in January of 2012, and I got clean January 8th. So okay. I, I got disability, oh. I, I moved in with one of my brothers um, and started paying the rent. And uh, because, okay. I mean, literally, it's like I said, I'd wanted to get clean for, for years, and I just didn't know how to do it homeless. And so basically, as soon as I got off the street, I got clean. And um, it wasn't so much a turning point, like I hit bottom, like I pretty much been at bottom for a while you know? Right. And um, so as soon as I saw this opportunity, I got clean and, um, you know, I've been clean ever since. Okay. Um, so you had a little help but, from your brother, which is good. Yeah. I mean, he let me move into his apartment cause I wouldn't have been approved for anything, but I mean, I was also paying the rent. He also had run out of his rent option um, right around that time. So it kind of <laughs> was convenient for both of us. Um, yeah. Now that being said, like I, since then I have moved probably about 30 homeless people into my house at one point or another, um, thinking, <laughs> thinking that everybody would do what I did, you know? Right. And it has been 0% successful. Um, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. that. Uh, but you tried <laughs> and, and I understand it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, you meet a lot of people in life that you want to help and, yeah. and just people have to want to be helped. Otherwise, well, yeah and and that's one of the things too is that um i i did you know i got little bits of help here and there but i struggled my ass off to get clean to get off the street to get disability by the way i paid all that disability money back just for the record um because i i didn't have to but i didn't feel good about it because i'm not disabled you know 
Um, yeah. I kind of scammed the system to get out of the situation that I was in. And I made payments to them for years to pay off all the money that they gave me. And, uh, <laughs> which felt good. But, but yeah. even, even then it was like, I did every, I did everything I could to get myself out of the situation that I'm in. And so part of like, like there's this term enabling, I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, right. you know, my, my attempts to rescue people, like I, I believe that, um, you know, I got, I got clean and I got off the street because nobody really helped me that much, you know, and, and I was forced to kind of grow up and take responsibility and do the work. And, and I still believe in helping people, but I don't know if I still believe in trying to rescue people because it doesn't seem to be effective because not only do they need to want it because a lot of people want it, but they need to be able to do the work, you know, right. to keep it like I did. Glenn King and I will be right back after these words. The local wine shop, a place where people go to get confused, frustrated, and end up picking pretty labels instead of great wine. Well, now there's a better way. At tastingroom.com, America's number one personalized wine club. Every bottle is selected based on your personal wine profile, and fewer than one in 50 wines makes it through our rigorous selection process. We're so sure that you'll love our wines that every bottle is backed by our total satisfaction guarantee. The Huffington Post calls Tasting Room the first wine club to get it right. Get amazing wines at incredible prices, selected just for you, delivered right to you. Go to tastingroom.com and receive your exclusive tasting kit of world-class wines. Once you get your kit... Taste, rate, and build your personal profile one sip at a time. It's a no-brainer. Great wine without the guesswork, backed by our total satisfaction guarantee. Go to tastingroom.com, enter promo code GRAPE8, and get your exclusive tasting kit, a $40 value for just $6.95. Tastingroom.com, code GRAPE8. Tastingroom.com. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing new Firehouse Pairs. Pair your favorite small sub with a signature side, like the awesome five cheese mac and cheese. And remember, a portion of every purchase at Firehouse Subs goes towards helping first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations only. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. Taste, rate, enjoy. And by the way, again, I want to remind people that you're listening to Let's Talk Adults with Glenn King and Jim Williams. And our guest today is Karma Rx. We're talking about uh, Karma's uh, uh, path that got her into the adult industry, and, and it's sort of um, inspirational to folks who uh, are in troubled situations. But let's let's get into that a little bit now, Karma, because um, you didn't jump right into to doing adult films. I believe you first started making your own content on many vids and right. such, right? Correct. Um, I was doing, uh, I had a, a premium Snapchat for the last few years, um, which before everybody was doing it, I was very successful at. I already had an Instagram following and all this stuff. And I started doing like, it was solo and sometimes girl, girl stuff. Um, but how Snapchat. did that happen? You, you didn't just randomly one day decide to start doing this. You had well, to have the some guy- kind of... The, the guy that I was with at the time had a bunch of businesses. So he wanted me, it was when Instagram was really big. Yeah. So he wanted me to like make an Instagram and so I could help advertise, you know? And I was yeah. like, all right. And I hated it. I hate selfies. I hate fucking the whole narcissism <laughs> behind social media, which is mm-hmm. funny how it ended up. But right. um, I'm in the business of narcissism. But um, right. <laughs> at the time I was like, he would have to like nag me for a week to take a fucking selfie and post it. Um but I, I would research, like, how do you grow? How do you gain followers? How do you grow an Instagram? And, and that was like, 
I did that for about a year and, and I ended up with, you know, I think, actually, I think I started my premium. I had it like around a hundred thousand followers or something. I now have like 1.3 million or something, but boom. Um, it was like one of those things that was just fucking Instagram. And then people would always comment, like make a Snapchat, make a Snapchat. Um, so I made it like a regular public Snapchat with no nudity. And then people were like, make a premium Snapchat. And I didn't know what that was. I was like, okay, so basically I can, you know, people will give me money if I take my clothes off on Snapchat. Like, I don't have a problem with that. I've done, um, you know, it, it was, it was never like a moral thing for me and yeah. I don't, I don't have a modesty issue. So um, right. I remember the first time that I did it, it was like a little, like a solo, just a masturbation thing. And I made more money that first day um, than I'd ever had in my life. And I was like, oh yeah, this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then so you do. I was doing, yeah. yeah, so then I was doing these daily fucking premium Snapchat shows and it just, it kind of just blew up. And at the time there was only a couple girls doing it. And I, you know, I started my own company. I had girls that were working for me, kind of like what Fan Central is today, but like way less big, you know? Right, right. <laughs> it was like the miniature, super messy version um, of that. So and, basically um, people I, had to pay and then wait a day or so to actually get onto the premium Snapchat because it was manually done probably. Yeah. I mean, I was literally, so I was working um, a full-time job at the time. I was working more than 40 hours um, at the time. And so I was literally running this business in the middle of the night. So like I didn't sleep for about a year. Um, <laughs> so I'm working every day, you know, making minimum wage and then like running this business and it was manual. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm adding everybody and deleting everybody to my account, to all the girls that worked for me's accounts. It was, it was kind of a nightmare. Um, I made a ton of money, but I had never been so like, I, by the end of that year, I was so fucking depressed. I was like, dude, I can't do this shit. Like it's not worth it <laughs> because but, I literally but, I made all this money and I blew it all just like buying shit on Amazon. Cause I didn't have time to go to the <laughs> store. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, but people need to understand it's so important. People understand out there. This did not happen to Karma by accident. She hustled. She worked her ass off. Listen to her tell you people about working 40 hours a week at one job and then working 40 hours a week at a second job. Yeah. It just, yeah. these well, things well, that that constantly. Another, yeah, I was just going to say, then there's another 20 hours a week seemingly she was on Amazon. <laughs> right, <Yeah. laughs> but people yeah. constantly send me these DMs and emails. They want to get in the business and they basically want somebody do it all for them and they don't understand yeah. that that's not the way it works yeah it was a fucking ton of work and not only that but it was like i didn't know how to use social media i didn't know how to run a business i didn't know how to have like open a corporate i didn't know how to do any of that shit um taxes like there's a bunch of shit and so it's like people see the product that's produced this like 15 minute fucking clip you know they don't see the fucking thousands of hours to right. go behind all that especially like when you know before porn i didn't have a mitt i didn't have an agent i didn't have people telling me where to be and where to show up like i fucking did everything personally <laughs> uh, we responded to all the emails and everybody's issues and the chargebacks and fucking whatever it was a nightmare right um and and also too it was like i, I mean i'm pretty but i wasn't like i mean i've had a lot of work done you know but um when i started off i was pretty like kind of average looking you know, I bought tits and, and that was cool. Um, but, it, but a lot of it was like, um, learning, like I would literally read articles about how to like build social media and how to make this successful. And like, when I started many vids, I like within the first two months I was on many vids, I was like girl number nine, which is like phenomenal. Wow. Yes. Now I'm not, I don't really use it anymore. Um, but 
it was if people were like how did you do that like you're so lucky and I'm like no I read fucking I spent hours reading articles about how to increase your MV score and then I did all those things you know it's not it's not it's not luck it's not about being pretty there's some you know a lot of people can you can make anything successful and what I learned is that there's a market for everything and if I just try to figure out how to market what I am instead of try and be what I think sells um I found that that's way I'm, I'm way more successful when I just work with what I have that doesn't mean like don't have enhancements. I believe in enhancements um, when you're in the business of selling looks, you know, but um, it, yeah, it, it was a lot of grunt work, all of it. And um, basically like when I, I, and then I, I made a many vids and then I was making more like real closer to real porn. Uh, I still didn't do anything with any dicks until like I actually entered the industry. Um, but like, yeah, it was a lot of fucking work. It's not just like you're pretty and you show up and then they give you a bunch of money. Um, <laughs> although but, that would be nice. But doing so, and then you built up your following. So by the time yeah. you decided to enter the world of porn, it you made it a no-brainer for all the porn companies. People like me well, look exactly. at you and go, well, she's got a million followers. This is part of what I was thinking is that when I booked you is that, well, she's never done any female domination scenes before. Like we're shooting. But she's got a million followers, and she's hot looking. I want to see it, yeah. Yeah, so it can really, no matter how, if it doesn't work out, I'm still going to get a lot of people that want to see it. So you you made yourself into a marketable commodity. Correct. And and I believe that that was important because, like, a lot of girls, I didn't want to come into this industry and just be washed under a rug. And I see that happen with a lot of people, even the people who are excellent performers or or who are, you know, gorgeous. Like, if you don't, this is a social media generation. If you don't have a following behind you, you don't really exist in, in um, like, public, publicity-wise or in this industry or, you know, whatever. It's It's hard to make it without that. And so I kind of wanted to have this like little marketing machine behind me before I even entered porn. And it worked. Like when I did my first boy role, I got this super bitchin' deal and I got paid a lot of money. Um, and I kind of like started pretty high up, you know, and, and nobody, people hired me even though they didn't know what I could do, you know, because, because like you said, right. it's like either way, somebody's going to buy it because right. it was like karma's first boy girl scene. They're going to buy it even with their shit. Uh, right. <laughs> and then like, you know, and it, and it, and I believe that, like, I believe in confidence and all that shit, but I also believe in putting in the work to actually be valuable. And, like, <laughs> I know yeah. that, that I, I, as a product, am actually, I have value just based on numbers. Um, right. Which is important, you know. <laughs> no, and, um, and yeah, when, because you have value, you are able to turn down scenes that you don't want to do. And you have Correct. a rate that's higher than most in the industry, which means that Correct. you're only going to be working for the, the higher end companies. Exactly. And I did that intentionally. Me and my agent had a, had a talk about like exactly what the number is that would just kind of cut out the, the less notable companies or the grungier work, um, but not keep people like I also am a year in. I'm new. So I also didn't want to have a rate that was so high that people wouldn't book me. And be like, oh, this bitch comes in here wanting a fucking fortune. You know, so we like. We specifically found the number that we thought would be would work the best, and and that's been awesome. And and because of that, um, and because of all of this stuff, the social media, all this stuff, um, I haven't had it, like any bad porn experiences. I haven't. I've heard about a lot of them. I haven't had one. I've only worked with super professional people and super professional co companies, and everybody's treated me awesome. And you know, it's been great. So. 
well, kind of and I know I have to do that like running a business in the middle of the night bullshit where I can't you know have coffee with a friend because I'm too fucking busy. So I right. kind of took a pay cut to do porn from the Snapchat thing, you know, like a huge one. But yeah. it, it was it was a better to me. It's like it's the that line between like having um, uh, money and and having like a valuable life. Like I want to have I want to be happy and also make money. And there's a line somewhere. <laughs> you know, um, where I'm making enough, but I can also still have a life and, and have friends and do shit and like be alive. <laughs> as crazy so. as it sounds though, you know, from your standpoint, karma, by creating the template, which, you know, Glenn was talking about of a social media influencer, you had a following that was bigger than a number of, um, what we should, I guess we would say, you know, regular mainstream television stars i mean you had a a uh both on twitter and on uh, instagram so that's what lent you to get to dr king there yeah but i, I mean again it's like i just want i want people to know that it like that it's grunt work like in the beginning oh, hell like, yeah. really, once your instagram gets to a certain size like it kind of grows itself but in the beginning i was literally like the algorithms on Instagram have changed since then. But at the time it was like, if you tagged 20 big pages in your, in your, in every photo you posted and you used the correct hashtags and like all, it was all this bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. like to be seen by the most pages. Like if they go to somebody else's photos of you, they see karma because I tagged them in my photo. Like it was just, mm-hmm. it was a bunch of bullshit. Um, <laughs> and like trying to get pages to like, yeah, it was, it was a lot of hard work. And I, and I, but but I also like I believe that anybody can do at least any chick I don't I've tried to grow dude pages or company pages and it's fucking hard, um unless you have tits like it's you know right. it's it is pretty hard to grow a you know a social media following as a dude even the male performers like they some of them have been around forever it's still harder it's way harder oh um, don't I know I think, <laughs> I think I've got thirty thousand followers and you know. It's just it's just tough. I look around at the other guys in the business and you know, we don't have what the people really want to see, which is, you know, tits as you point out. Yeah. But much more much more to it than that. So, but you're actually a celebrity now then. So, how has that changed uh, your life? Um, you get hit up by other celebrities who want to go out with you, um, you get recognized in public. I I don't I don't know about the word celebrity. Um, I have a hard time with like you know, like a lot of porn girls would be like, I'm famous. And I don't know, like, I mean, people recognize me, yes, but I'm not fucking Angelina Jolie, you know, by, by yeah. any means. Um, and, and a lot, like, it, it doesn't, it didn't really change my life too much because I've always been like kind of socially retarded. So, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I've never had like a big group of friends or like, you know, I don't go out much, you know, people will see me like at, fucking you know like punk rock dirty punk rock shows or whatever you know like at some bar in fucking ventura or whatever um but like other than that i don't really it didn't i don't know it didn't change my life that much um the fame part of it because mm-hmm. you know whatever people like there is a there's a small change that happens when you start making money um well there was for me at least where like i've never been very likable you know i have a lot of like tough opinions um, and usually people, there's a small group of people who really like me and most people could really do without, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, but like when I started making money or being more successful, um, in the public eye, 
like all these people started coming out of the woodwork, like people who I already knew, like trying to be my friend all of a sudden. I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> like, right. you, you never liked me. And in, in the 24 other years that I was alive, you never liked me. So like, don't start now, you know? Um, but other, I don't know. I, I mean, my fans are pretty cool. Like when they see me, usually they're, they're cool about it. I've had a couple like awkward encounters. Um, but for the most part, they're just like, hey, can I take a photo with you? And I'm like, sure. You know, but I've had people ask me for photos when I'm fucking crying, like bawling. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, karma. And I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 buddy, you can have a photo. You know? <laughs> like, they don't understand don't, that, and I get that, you know. I mean, I, but, I mean, for, I, I get it to an extent because they're like, well, I might not ever see her again. I want my photo. But, like, if any human being is sobbing, like, maybe not the time, you know? But, <laughs> I mean, whatever. But, um, it's it's hard. I, I can remember Jim. I, I went up to Tony Dorsett one time in a gym and asked mm-hmm. him a question, and he gave me a look like he was going to kill me. And it, I thought he was a jerk at the time. And but now I realized, God, the guy was working out. He was trying to work out, and you know, for me, it was just so exciting getting to see my hero. And yeah, you, know, you, you do that. Well, um, I, yeah, I try to remember that, and I take the pictures anyways. And you know, it's like as you know, as a quote unquote public figure to whatever extent like sometimes i'm like man i wish he would ask me this when i'm like wearing makeup or not dressed like i'm homeless or whatever but <laughs> but it's fine you know there's more pictures of me looking re- like ridiculous than looking good on the internet so it's cool <laughs> all right well again folks you're listening to let's talk adult with glenn king and jim williams and our guest today is karma rx we're getting close to wrapping this up here so i want to sort of um get to the, to the point why we're really here we are here to get advice from you and not just for ourselves, um, but for everyone around the country who might be in a situation that seems kind of hopeless in terms of where their life is going as somebody who's made it out. What kind of, what kind of advice, or let's put it this way. What kind of advice would you give now to 18 year old you or 17 year old you, if you could go back in time? Um, I, Man, it's 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 a tough question because like I am in recovery and I see so many people trying to get clean and failing, um, and you know a couple who make it, but mostly it's people failing. Um, but I would like, I guess you know, my advice would be put in the fucking work. Like there's, it's possible. You know, I'm proof that it's possible. Um, I and I think that like, you know, even even in that hopeless state because I was hopeless too. I didn't really see any of it working out. I didn't think that I was going to like end up where I am. I just wanted to not eat trash, you know? And that was a good, I think that was a good thing. I wasn't shooting for the fucking stars. I was shooting to like, what's the the next right step. That's right. The step right in front of me. Like, and how do I get there? And, um, you know, there's a lot of resources available and, and it's easy when you're in this like downtrodden state to be like, Oh, there's, there's no help, but like there is. And sometimes it's not the way that you want it to look. But like, I had a friend who was trying to get clean. He didn't have insurance. No, no fucking rehabs were taken. There's like two year wait list everywhere. So he said he was going to kill himself and check himself into a psych ward and detox off heroin, off a seven year heroin habit with no meds, which was horrible. You know, he's throwing up and shitting on himself, but he did it and he fucking got clean, you know, because there, there are ways to, to get out of the situation. If you want it, and are willing to do the work to get it, there's always ways. Um, and I'm not saying lie about wanting to kill yourself, but I mean, I also am a firm believer in do what the fuck you need to do um, to get your life 
better, you know, like, like we're, um, I'm an adult, like I'm a hundred percent responsible for my life, for my happiness, for my mental state, but I'm responsible for all of that, for fucking setting boundaries. And I believe that all adults are personally responsible for their own life circumstances. Now, now I'm not saying that we don't get put in shitty circumstances, um, because I got addicted to drugs so young and because of kind of the way it happened and with whom, you know, it's hard for me to take responsibility for some of the stuff when I was younger because I didn't really have too many options at the time. Um, but, you know, once I was, you know, 17 or so, I, I pretty much was making my own choices and I, and I had options, um, whether I saw them or not, but like I, I had every, I, I had and have every option and every ability to succeed if I put in the work or do the research, you know, like fucking go to a public library and look up ways to get help. You know, it, it's it's not impossible and everybody can do it and everybody has the same chance. Um, you know, no matter that, that's, I mean, I, I used to, a couple of years ago, if you would have asked me, I would have had different answers, but like the longer I'd stayed clean and watched this, um, you know, it's a fucking horrible epidemic, the drug problems in this country. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and it's and it's disheartening to watch people. Everybody, you know, it's like I think they say two percent of us make it um, out of addiction. And, but, and um, I, one more piece of advice I'll ask you for then: What advice would you give now to twenty-two-year-old you who was thinking about getting into the world of porn? Or maybe that's not the best way to put this one. Is somewhere out there, there are thousands and millions of girls who are considering going down the same path as you. What advice would you give them about getting started in the industry? All right. Um, well, a lot of porn people aren't going to like my answer here. Um, but for the most part, I would say don't do it. Um, there, like if, you know, if I'm talking to 22-year-old karma, I say go for it. But again, I, was, I already had a lot of shit that made this okay for me. Um, you know, and, and, and I believe that if you're doing it for the right reasons, or because it's something fun or something that you enjoy or or you're, you're into voyeurism or, or whatever, um, then go for it. Um, but if you're fucking lost and think it's just an easy way to make a lot of money, it's not. And right. the cost will be higher than what you make absolutely every time. I don't think that anybody should do porn out of desperation, out of a shitty life circumstance. Like, I don't believe in that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, that porn is harmful, but I'm saying that people in a who are already in a harmful state of mind doing porn is not going to get you out of it. Um, right. But I mean, and other than that, it's like, I get the DMS all the time. Like, how do I get into porn? Like, you know, research it. Right. <laughs> do the right. footwork like the rest of us did, you know, there's agents, there's a, there's a bunch of ways to get into it. Um, Google but don't it. get into it <laughs> unless you're willing to work hard. Absolutely, it's not just because... something where you drop down onto your back and have sex. And then the world is wonderful. Yeah, not so much. And also, like, if you're not willing to put in the work and you don't have good work ethic anyways, um, all that all that it can really do is, is hurt a lot of your other chances. So if, if you plan on coming in and killing it like I did, you know, I mean, like, like that was my plan. I don't mean like I'm killing it, but um, I, I planned to do porn and fucking I want to do that for, you know, however many years and I want to fucking be successful and this is my plan now. Um, it's not hurting any of my other options because this is my option. This is what I want to do. But if you're like, oh, I'm trying to pay for college so I can be a doctor or I'm trying to, you know, whatever, it's not always the best option because sometimes that stuff can come up later and hinder your career or whatever. I mean, less so these days, I think, but um, 
I, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of people in this industry who I don't think should be here, you know, because of, and it's sad to watch people do something that I don't want to do just for money. Like money isn't fucking everything. Right. Um, I've been just as happy with nothing as I've been with a whole lot or just as miserable. <laughs> Money's nice. <though. laughs> yeah. It's, it's better than the others. Yeah. Um, Karma, why don't you give us your social media, how we can follow you and uh, anything you want to promote. This is, uh, you've been an outstanding, outstanding guest. We learned a great deal today. Well, thank you. Um, my Instagram is karma period RX. Uh, my Twitter is summer karma underscore RX. And uh, my Snapchat subscription is www.karmarx.tv. So whatever, but yeah. <laughs> Go check her out. <laughs> Everybody, go check her yeah. out. She's absolutely a five-star performer. And that's out of three stars, too. So there you go. <laughs> well, special thanks to our guest, Karma Rx. Glenn and I will be back with more of Let's Talk Adult right after these words. The local wine shop, a place where people go to get confused, frustrated, and end up picking pretty labels instead of great wine. Well, now there's a better way. At tastingroom.com, America's number one personalized wine club. Every bottle is selected based on your personal wine profile, and fewer than one in 50 wines makes it through our rigorous selection process. We're so sure that you'll love our wines that every bottle is backed by our total satisfaction guarantee. The Huffington Post calls Tasting Room the first wine club to get it right. Get amazing wines at incredible prices, selected just for you, delivered right to you. Go to tastingroom.com and receive your exclusive tasting kit of world-class wines. Once you get your kit, Taste, rate, and build your personal profile one sip at a time. It's a no-brainer. Great wine without the guesswork, backed by our total satisfaction guarantee. Go to tastingroom.com, enter promo code GRAPE8, and get your exclusive tasting kit, a $40 value for just $6.95. Tastingroom.com, code GRAPE8. Tastingroom.com. Taste, rate, enjoy. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Now, if you are not one of the over 5,000 people, and growing quickly, I might add, who have subscribed yet to the podcast, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, we sure make it easy, right? We're a part of the Apple Podcast family, so all you have to do is go out to iTunes and download us. You can subscribe, and we strongly suggest that you do at Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, soon to be TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. So those are just a few of the places where you can find us. So go out and search. Let's talk adult with Glenn King and Jim Williams and do us a favor and subscribe today. Okay. We're begging you. We just want you to be out there and be part of our family. So go out, subscribe today. Okay. Glenn, what an amazing story that karma told us. Uh, very inspiring. And I know it inspired you as well. Uh, it absolutely did. And I think everyone could find something in today's show that would be uh, a, a lesson for them or good advice. So I just want to leave everyone with a quote, as I like to do. This one is from Roy T. Bennett, the author, author of The Light in the Heart. And he says, your hardest times often lead to the greatest moments of your life. Keep going. Tough situations build strong people in the end. And uh, and I'm so glad that Karma was able to tell us about how she was in the, some tough situations and it made her stronger. And do remember the, the one thing that she emphasized the most, which is you got to work hard no matter what you want to do. But but the tough situations in your life will define you and make you stronger. Yeah, well said. And she was an outstanding guest. Well, for everyone here at Let's Talk Adult, 
for Glenn King and Jim Williams. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget to join us next time right here on Let's Talk Adult. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing new Firehouse Pairs. Pair your favorite small sub with a signature side, like the awesome five-cheese mac and cheese. And remember, a portion of every purchase at Firehouse Subs goes towards helping first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations only, Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing new Firehouse Pairs. Pair your favorite small sub with a signature side, like the awesome five-cheese mac and cheese. And remember, a portion of every purchase at Firehouse Subs goes towards helping first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations only, Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.